Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Coming up on the show today, a solo podcast. Jackson and Joe are both away for the Easter weekend, so you're pretty much stuck with me. Therefore, a slightly different format today to try and keep this a little conversational, I guess. We're going straight into the Reddit recap. I'm going to pick out some comments and posts, read them out and expound on them a little bit, and we'll see how that goes uh, let's get right into it. So the Celtics pulled a last-minute win out of their asses last night, to be honest, thanks largely to a humongous bed-shitting by the paces of Indiana. Let's hop into the post-game slash next-day threads and see what Celtics Reddit has to say about it. So Celtics Reddit user Love You All Thank God commented, closing lineup last night, and it's just a link to a media day photo of the erotic city lineup. So Kyrie, Jalen, Gordy, Tatum, and Horford. I love this. I remember being like, oh shit, when I noticed in the moment that our closing lineup, that that was our closing lineup and and having like mixed emotions of kind of, oh, this is great. And like, we've gone full circle with these guys, but also like, please don't fuck this up. But they got the job done. Hayward does such a good job with his spacing and, and being in the right place at the right time. There were a number of times last night where the paces screwed up their rotations after doubling either Kyrie and Al or Al, rather, and and Gordy exploited the shit out of it, especially late in the game, getting that pass from Tatum right under the basket. So the Erotic City lineup in the regular season was, was not great, as we all know. N- not terrible, but, but not great. They finished the regular season with a net rating of minus 1.4. Compare that to the same lineup, but switching Jalen out for Marcus Smart, the net rating there is 13.2. However, that erotic city lineup so far in the playoffs has a net rating of 44.4, which is spicy. I'm so up for seeing more of that, especially if Tatum can keep up that playmaking. Uh, Obviously, that's some really good passing, particularly in game two, but also game one as well. And hopefully, like we're starting to see playoff Tatum maybe bubble up to the surface a little bit after a, um, a regular season where expectations were not met. So reply to that comment by user Flare Up Nephew. <laughs> that closing lineup is what everyone was hoping the Celtics would look like at the start of the season, and those five look like they figured it out. Yeah, I I mean, looking at I, I mentioned their net rating before of forty four point four. They've only played like five minutes together so far in the postseason over two games. So obviously that net rating needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, but it's a promising five minutes so far. Ho- hopefully we can see a little bit more of that, particularly with the way that Mook Morris has performed or or not performed. Hopefully we, we can see a little bit more of those five um, come together and, and do what they do. Moving on, a post-game thread or a next-day thread comment by user Shabashale. He's probably going to get overlooked with how clutch Tatum and Kyrie were, but Rosier played solid, especially when we went especially, rather, when we went on that run in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Rosier was surprisingly solid in Game 2, which, my God, we needed with Marcus Smart out and Marcus Morris mm, basically out as well, let's be honest. And if you look at Rosier's stats, it doesn't really tell the story. So, two for five from the field, six boards and six assists, which is actually pretty sweet for your primary backup point guard in a playoff game. But then no steals and no blocks despite the talk of his defense. So, like, why was he so good? Well, for probably the first time 
in his entire life. Scary Terry led all players in in the game in, in plus minus. Out of everyone, Terry Rogier was the the leader in, in plus minus, and and the way that he was able to be so effective was with his defense, particularly his full court defense on Indy's primary ball handlers, which was really messing with their ability to like come up the court and and get into their sets. And I also think just the energy that Rogier brought to the court was kind of contagious with the with the other Celtics on the court around him, particularly in the fourth quarter. Um, I did think he struggled a bit to get the ball into Kyrie's hands during stretches where Terry was playing point and Kyrie was playing off the ball. That was pretty frustrating. He also had a brutal and potentially game-losing turnover late in the fourth. But now that that's all said and done, we can finally sort of celebrate a little Terry-related success, I suppose. And and that's great because no matter how you look at it, no matter how deep you think the Celtics will go into the postseason, we're pretty much down to Terry's like last 10 or so games in a Celtics uniform. So I don't know, a little bit, as, as painful as it can be sometimes, I think we just need to like sit back and, and enjoy scary Terry or bad Terry or whatever form of Terry we're going to get because that's that's pretty much you know creeping towards the finish line there as far as Roger is concerned. Moving on, user Daig7 writes, that one stretch where Mook was pulling up and missing fucking everything. Holy shit, I couldn't take it. Um, yeah, man, I am right there with you. That was that was pretty brutal. And I think um, the stretch you're referring to must have been during the third quarter where he went 0 for 4. So he went, he went 0 for 2 in the first and 0 for 2 in the second and then just completely doubled down on that bed shitting in the third which may have been a blessing in disguise, I think, because it kind of led Brad Stevens to be like, all right, fuck you. You're out of the game. Take a seat, book. Um, but but yeah, not a great game for Marcus Morris. Um, I guess uh, annoyingly so, surprisingly so, given that you know it only took one game in game one and all of a sudden everyone's like, <laughs> November book is back. Flask dad. Um, you know, he's back on the board. But unfortunately, it only takes one more game for all of that to be completely wiped off the table and, and, and now we're back to the, the mook that we've known for the majority of the season, unfortunately. Another user, Uncle Blazer, commented, Naked Shin Kyrie is greater than Untucked Kyrie. So Naked Shin Kyrie is this new and probably the best iteration of, of Kyrie Irving that we've seen in a Celtics uniform so far. Just looking at his stats here, like it's ridiculous from game two. Fifty eight percent from the floor, thirty seven points, seven assists, two blocks and a steal and I think he even took a took a charge at one point. Um, yeah, so in, in a game full of awesome Kyrie moments, there are two that I think are worth highlighting. The first is the entire third quarter when Indy really went into his own offensively and defensively, scoring pretty much at will, and, and most of our guys couldn't buy a bucket. This is the quarter that we lost 29 to 16, by the way. And it it sounds cliche, but Kyrie, like, basically single-handedly kept us in the game. So he went four for eight in the quarter, including two threes for 10 total points and also blocked a shot. And, like, meanwhile, the next highest scorer was Jason Tatum with four points. This kind of thing could be the difference between last year and this year, where, like, playoff-wise, where... Like our offense completely dies and we have this guy who can keep our heads above water just like fucking Uncle Drewing his way to the bucket. The other Kyrie thing to point out was his personal six-point run in the fourth quarter. So Kyrie, he subbed in with seven 
35, seven minutes and 35 seconds left in the fourth. And he hit a quick three off a high Horford pick to cut Indy's lead down to one. This is obviously after the the non-Kyrie. Kyrie was on the bench for the, the sort of primary run, which I guess got us back into the game. Kyrie comes off this Horford pick, gets the lead down to one, and then hit one of his like vintage fuck you threes to finally take the lead almost directly after that. Uh, and then, of course, again, he comes right back down the court and hits a difficult pull-up shot for his 36th point of the night and a four-point Celtics lead. Um, this fourth quarter, we'll, we'll get to more of it in a second, but it was just ridiculous. And that, I think, is playoff Kyrie, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? And I, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but heading into the fourth down 11 points, having just watched that third quarter, I had major, major anxiety heading into the fourth. I'm thinking, shit, this is happening. We're going to lose home court and <laughs> and head into Indy with no momentum. The Pacers have figured us out. Kyrie Irving's going to leave. Red Auerbach would be absolutely disgusted. All, all of that. And and by the way, the fourth started with both Marcus Morris and Terry Rogier on the court. So stress was high, high, high cortisol levels in the blood. Anxiety was high. It was, it was not looking good. Um, and at this point, I had to go back and watch the game because my ability to sort of take notes um, with the hope to maybe discuss the game afterwards was just completely out the door. I was in full fan mode and just completely freaking out. Um, but as fans, we we got lucky. Suddenly, Al Horford comes alive. and We suddenly go to Al twice early in the post and he converts both times. Finally, like his illness just disappeared. Maybe he got some sort of injection uh, between the third and the fourth quarter, but he was just a completely different Al, Al Horford coming out of the gates in the fourth. Meanwhile, on the other end, he's doing his best Miles Turner impression, just blocking the shit out of any and all approaches to the rim. And I mean, at one point, Tatum, he went in for a layup and he he missed it off the front rim and he he grabs this ridiculous self-rebound and somehow puts it back for two with these these go-go gadget arms. And so this series of plays start to happen. And again, Kyrie is not on the court at this point. And the momentum, it's really starting to go our way. But then the paces suddenly start hitting threes and actually take the lead again. Um, and so again, stress is running high, starting to freak out. And credit to Bogdanovich, he was super, super clutch late in the fourth, right? Especially that second ISO three here to, to retake the lead again. And then Jalen, he comes up the court, he misses at the rim, and he also missed this open cutting Tatum and picks up his fifth foul trying to reclaim the ball all, all in the one fell swoop. And suddenly we're down two again with less than a minute and a half to go and um, starting to stress out. Um, I'm sure you were as well, but this this hasn't been talked about a lot um, because of the, the Kyrie Irving and the, and the Jason Tatum stuff. But in between those two Bogdanovich threes, Gordon Hayward hit a clutch, clutch deep two in uh, to momentarily take the lead, rather. That, that shot was dripping wet. He, he just nailed it and and Hayward he wasn't like really 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 noticeable in the game but he was consistently doing things to help us win all night and that was a big moment for him and and like ultimately a big moment for the win that we walked away with um I, I thought that was just worth calling out I didn't see a lot of of tweets or or sort of post-game banter about that Hayward shot but it was huge like we were down things weren't looking good and he stroked that shot that go-ahead shot and it was a deep arguably bad deep 
you know, two that we criticize Tatum for all the time. Um, but but Hayward really stepped up in that moment, so definitely worth a call out. Um, moving on, user win some some win writes games like the one Tatum just had make me reluctant to trade him away. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess that's a, there's a two pronged effect in that it makes us more reluctant to trade him away, but also boosts his potential trade value. So there's two ways to look at that, um, and this this brings me to the end of the game. So Al Horford, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum in what was definitely the play of the game. Just listen to this. 14 on the clock. Bogdanovich. He is the guy they want to shoot it. He's got six seconds to do it. Takes it to the basket. Horford right there. Brown the other way. Brown. Corner. Yeah, so I mentioned Horford's shot blocking a moment ago, and he stuffs Bogey big time at the rim. And for some reason, super late in the game, Indy just decided to run iso ball rather than actually run stuff like they did in the in the third quarter. So Al blocks Bogey at the rim. Suddenly, Jalen Brown, he has the ball in transition, which I mean, like in the regular season, those were not good words to hear. Yeah, Jalen Brown... <laughs> has the ball in transition. I, I feel like we, all of us with those words said have flashbacks to just turnovers, giving up the ball, dribbling it off his foot, whatever, whatever it may be. But Jalen Brown has typically not been great in transition all season or so far in his career, you could say. Uh, and you can see Kyrie after he, after he gets the the rebound, Kyrie's telling him like, push it, push it. And then the next minute, he's right up the other end of the court and he's crashing into Miles Turner, the league's best shot blocker right under the bucket, but then out of nowhere makes a fucking genius, like Harvard scholarly play, the perfect dish after Tatum who who splashes the three and we retake the lead. That's that's pretty much the game at that point. I don't know if Indiana scored again after that point. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, they did not. But look, regarding the amazing Jalen Brown transition pass, he did do basically the inverse of that. Like, sorry to nitpick a little bit, but he did do the inverse of that sort of play with about a minute 50, minute 55 remaining in the fourth. Like, look at the tape. So Kyrie had the ball, and after attempting to drive, he ended up trapped on the baseline by Wes Matthews and Darren Collison. So the ball finds Jalen via Al Horford at the, at the top of the arc. And at this point, Tatum is immediately wide open in the corner because his man rotated off of him to help on the Kyrie Irving double. But Jalen doesn't see him at all and instead drives to the hoop. And again, Tatum cuts perfectly, perfect timing at the right moment, and is wide, wide open for a dunk. But but Jalen puts his head down and instead gets stooged again at the rim by Miles Turner. Um, and by the way, Miles Turner had been stooging everybody at the rim for basically the entire game. Um, so those were just two um, yin and yang, night and day comparisons, where fortunately Jalen Brown made up for that situation um, in the dying moments of the game by making that incredible transition pass. But um, he, he failed really blatantly to find an open Tatum just a little bit earlier in the game. I want to get to some misc points very quickly before we wrap this one up. I, it is going to be a quick one, but um, Zach Lowe called this out on Twitter. We, we've already kind of touched on it, but he tweeted after the game, cool to see Boston closing with the lineup we started the season with before shit got crazy. A um, few people were saying on, on, on Twitter and also in the in the live game thread, and I agree that Jalen Brown played some great 
low post defense on Thad Young in the fourth quarter. I think that maybe Indy were initially looking at that as a mismatch. And I mean, if you look at the two guys, it'd be difficult to disagree with them. But consistently, Jalen Brown was kind of bodying up Thad Young and either forcing him to pass out of out of the out of, out of the post up out of the play, or um, or to take a, a a pretty heavily contested shot. So that was amazing to see. And Jalen Brown, like his stats, you know, they're not jumping off the page from from games one and two, but like he is defending the shit out of anyone they put him on, particularly Bogdanovich, um, but also Thad Young as well. So it's really good to see. Um, Obviously, Marcus Smart is irreplaceable, but Jalen Brown like knows his new role with Smart out, and he's, he's really sticking to it. So that's really good to see. Miles Turner blocking the shit out of everyone is the next misc point. Um, there were some frustrating points, I think, in the third quarter when we um, decided that we no longer knew how to score. We kept driving at Miles Turner, who was um, really had a, a real presence in the paint there, and it seemed like. The definition of an insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And yet we continue to drive at Miles Turner. Uh, I guess we continue to expect different results and yet they continue to yield the same results. And that was Miles Turner just absolutely annihilating every attempt, uh, which was frustrating. And speaking of which, in the first minute of the fourth quarter, when we were just starting to get, when the Celtics were just starting to get some of that momentum and, and swing things in their favor, Tony Brothers called a foul like just as Horford was passing to an open Hayward right under, right under the rim. And, and Tyreek Evans had just hit a three in response to a couple of Celtics momentum plays that just occurred beforehand. Um, and here we are getting this open look. Would have easily been two points. And Tony Brothers, who until yesterday, we had not won a playoff game against in over eight games, um, caused this ridiculous ticky-tack foul, which was... Super, super frustrating. Um, obviously got away with the the win in the end. Um, so a couple of takeaways, um, like content, I guess, that I, I'd recommend watching uh, now that this game has ended. B-Ball Breakdown, I think his name is Coach Nick, did a really good breakdown on, on what the Celtics did uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter to, to seize this game, to seize control of and momentum in this game and sort of showed conversely what the Pacers did to lose the game. Obviously going beyond the the messed up Wes Matthews inbound play kind of goes a little deeper than that. So if you if you've read all if you've listened to this, if you've listened to all the podcasts, you've read all the post game stuff and you're looking for more content until the game tomorrow, um, definitely check that out. Um, check out the locked on Celtics for I, I guess um, an extended version of, of, of what you're listening to today uh, with people who are actually there <laughs> covering the team legitimately and interviewing players and coaches after the game. And check out all of Timmy's highlights on YouTube. Um, that guy must be staying up super late. I know he lives in Poland, but he had some some highlight clips out almost immediately after the game, which is crazy. It's definitely the middle, like right in the middle of the night at that time. So shout out to Timmy. And and since those initial highlight clips, he's gone and put out a few more, including an uncut like final minute of the fourth quarter, which is amazing. So definitely check all of that out. Um, and please like keep posting on Reddit because I'm, I'm refreshing slash new all the time. Like I, this is the playoffs and I am super excited and I feel like there's not necessarily enough content to consume. So shout out to Joe, shout out to Jackson who normally do this podcast with me. It's Easter here. Uh, I'm sure it's Easter in a lot of places, but they're off with their family today and, and weren't able to join me for the podcast. But for the sake of getting more content out there, here I am um, doing my best with whatever this is. All right, 
good times people good times that's gonna do it for this episode i want to hear from you guys like i said you you can always reach out by commenting on the reddit threads for each episode and i want to know how confident are you heading into indiana for games three and four and like say we wrap this thing up pretty quickly and convincingly in four or five games how do you honestly feel about a potential series against the bucks that's what i want to know from you guys all right folks thanks for listening go celtics and happy easter peace